Let's Fix Football for this week. This is your host, Gabe Lesra. Um, I am coming to you with a, uh, I can only imagine, just very, very exhausted and annoyed Evan Mateer. Evan, not, not a great sports week. Sports are terrible. I don't know why I watch sports. I hate sports. Sports make me less happy of a person. They make me angry, and they make everything worse, and I hate them. Yeah, I mean, sports do kind of suck. I, I and like, we, I remember like uh, watching some of these Champions League finals and 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 just generally these games. Like they just generally bum me out, and like I can't remember actually enjoying a single one of these matches I, that I've watched ever in my life. The only time it's nice is like after your team wins, and then you don't have to worry about it again for a week. Yeah, and here's the thing, like. It is so much worse when they lose than it is good when they win. Yeah. That it like I don't think the utils actually balance out. Like I have just yeah, and here's why. Here's the big reason why is if they win, like I I just go about my normal sports reading and sports life and whatever on Twitter. If they lose, I like completely hide from all of that. One hundred percent. Like I just don't want I don't like most of what I do at work when I'm not working is just, oh, I'll read, you know, whatever about soccer or sift through Twitter. No, none of that. Can't yeah. deal with it after a big loss. And it just makes me less happy. Yeah, you got to go through media blackout. That's what I de- I mean, I do that with every sport whenever any of my teams lose just because it's just literally self-care. I mean, the only way you can like really deal with that in my in my, my experience, the only way I deal with that is just wrapping myself in like a layer of irony that's so thick that when the team even does win, I can't even experience it that much. So like, you know, you pre- preemptively make all these jokes about it and then like you can't even really experience it. Like it's, it's all, I mean, the truth is that never get your hopes up or be excited about anything. And then, you know, you'll be fine. Like you won't ever get let down because you're always going to get, you know, expecting to be let down. And so that's fine. That's the way to go and, about life. And, and you know what the problem is? And we talk of course of Spurs ridiculous collapse between minute 65 and minute 70 in the second leg of their Champions League tie with Juventus. What's so ridiculous about getting... It is that all Spurs fans got their hopes up for that and forgot for a fucking moment what team they're fans of. Yeah. They let themselves be convinced that they were not, in fact, Spurs fans. So that was not, in fact, Spurs on the field. And then they spurs the, they just spurs the shit out of that match for like six minutes. It was incredible. And it was absolutely excruciating. They were clearly the better team over two ties. Every single goal was just a Tottenham fuck up. All four of uh, Juventus's goals was just a g- giant cluster fuck. And and yeah, it was just it's really hard to deal with. I don't I don't know. There's not that much to say. I I, I think on the media blackout point. Like I totally, I did 100% go into media blackout. I could not deal with reading reading reaction, and Good. then I let. I let it break for like a minute. And what do I see? But oh my God. All, all you, the Juve players being absolutely fucking insufferable, being like, oh, yeah, we knew that they were mentally weak. And we knew that we were more experienced. And then we crushed them. We had them right where we wanted them. And yeah. I, I just I just can't fucking deal with it. You guys, oh, my God, they got outplayed for fucking what out of 180 minutes of football. They got outplayed for 170 of it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it that so that was like what I latched onto after the game because it's just like these 
absolutely insufferable interviews. I think the With one fucking that, choke artists, yeah. goddamn choke artists. These guys are like, oh, like Juve, we're so mentally strong. It's like, yeah, bitch, like that's why you win every final that you're in, right? Like you definitely don't fucking choke. Like when the entire world is expecting you to have good defense, you get let four goals in in the Champions League final because none of you are fucking mentally strong pieces of shit. I can't, like, I couldn't, but, like, of all the teams to talk about, like, we knew Mental they strength, were yeah. mentally mentally weak and, and we knew they had bad defense. It's like, really? You're going to go, you're going to say that, that shit after the unbelievable fail artist bullshit you pulled in the Champions League last year? Like, you guys are, that's such an embarrassment. Like, good God. And that's the thing. Like, it's not like obviously they are right that Spurs, which is a team that has an average age of like six, did <laughs> switch off in this, you know, at points in this match. And that's why they lost the tie, right? There's no question. Like, that is a correct analysis. The problem is the fucking messenger and the smugness, right? That's the real problem is the smugness that the message delivered with, where, you know, oh, look at us, experienced, strong players, and look at you, weak, wimpy players. Oh, fuck off and enjoy getting your asses fucking handed to you in the semis. Yeah, they. I mean, they're going to get owned by whoever they play. I mean, they, look, it's... <laughs> They do have good players on their team, but that it's just the the absolute arrogance to like talk about mental weakness and and when you just got I mean like they got you just shit away two out of three Champions League finals. Yeah, they've been in the final the last three year twice in the last three years and were just bo- like absolute bottled it the whole time. Like they were terrible. Yeah. So like yeah, what I mean whatever it's that was absolutely insufferable. It was also. Like, really upsetting to, like, watch, you know, Sun after the game. Like, oh, man, he rules. He's so, so cool. He is it. awesome. He could have had three goals in this game. And and obviously it's a different game if, if some of those – some of his, uh you know, shots are finished. and But he is really incredible. He is so underrated in the Premier League. He's yeah. the second leading scorer on Spurs. And, yeah, I mean, I, I know the interview you're talking about where he talks about how he, you know, kind of – you know, they're proud that they feel like they let everyone down and you do really feel for them. Um, On the other hand, fuck all of them and they shouldn't have switched off for seven minutes and I'm still mad. I mean, you should be a little pissed because like you can't, I mean, if you look, I sent you this chart of the like expected goals and like Juve had like 0.2 expected goals up until minute 65 and then like between that in that five to like seven minute period, they score like they got one and a half expected goals. Like it's unbelievable. Like you can't, you can't just allow something like that. Like that was a chart of a game where Juve got absolutely outplayed, except for one period where they just got two unbelievably easy goals. Like well, and and the actual character of the goals just makes it even worse, especially the the second one, the the one that where where they went ahead. You know, literally just uh, Diabala making a run through the middle of the center backs and nobody tracking him. Like that's literally what happened. Is the it is the stupidest FIFA goal that you can only score on goddamn semi pro mode where you just collect the ball in, in you know midfield and just mass triangle. Right. Like that's the that's what the that fucking goal was. And next thing you're through on goal and it never goddamn works anytime you're playing on harder difficulty because either the pass is cut off or someone fucking tracks the runner. Right. Oh, it's just goddamn terrible. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
It was hard to watch. I was lucky because I only watched chunks of it, but like that was hard to watch because like Spurs really were the were the better team on the night, and like there were a couple of like bad calls. Like there was to me, there was a very obvious <laughs> obvious penalty um, that I think it was the same my my same guy Chiellini who yeah. You know, fuck him, by the way. Like, I wish he'd gotten fucking rabies when he got bit by Luis Suarez in 2014. Like, that was, like, so I, I'm still smarting about that interview. Because, like, this guy is such a, it's such a piece of shit interview to give. And, like, I was always Team Chiellini before that. And then, like, he comes out and gives this interview where he just absolutely classless bullshit. And so now I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, I wish Suarez had bit him harder when he bit him. Like, he just, like, barely grazed him. He should have fucking took a chunk out of him. You you know who really pissed me off, and I lost a lot of respect for him, is uh, is Diabala. So uh, Spurs had one last attack going right before the whistle, and it was actually a good attack. They had collected the ball— off of Diabala, they were they were cutting towards goal, and they were and they had a decent chance of getting a shot off here. He rolls around on the ground like his fucking ribs are broken until the uh, ref comes back over like 20 seconds later, stops playing, gives a free kick, and then he 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 gets. I mean, he was fucking fine. It was just a goddamn dive. It it. it if everybody who's like likes to focus on Dele Alley's dives, like fucking shit on him for a goddamn month. It was absolutely cynical just to kill off the last attack, and I hope that he never plays football again. I fucking hate him. Yeah, it. I mean, it worked. I mean, one of the things that I was noticing in that game also is that, like, in in the Real Madrid game, so just I, not that we need to discuss too much of the Madrid game, but like in the Madrid game. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo went down a couple times, and like I realized something that like actually like he's so good at everything he does. The one thing he's not particularly good at is like making his dives look even remotely real. And like yeah. I, I think that like part of the reason people hate him is is that he's not actually good at diving. So everyone's like, oh wow, he's really diving, and like that's yeah, that's like the whole problem. Like if people look at your falls and like, damn, what a dive, then you're not. You're not good at diving, so maybe stop doing it so much. Like, because you know, you see Messi, you see all these people dive, and like, you have to go back on slow mo replay. Like, oh wait, yeah, they didn't touch him. Uh, but with Ronaldo, it's like, oh shit, like yikes, like <laughs> he wasn't even close yeah. to you, and like, yeah. that's bullshit. I mean, this is this is kind of the Deli Alley uh, story too, right? Is he way he way oversells the dives, and then it looks ridiculous. But let's be clear about one fundamental point about football. Every fucking buddy dives. Yeah. Literally absolutely. everybody dives. And simulation is only there to make the most obnoxious dives go away so right. that people aren't too embarrassed about the fact that football players dive. But everybody who gets touched goes the fuck down. Right. And we have this really weird way of calling, you know, of calling matches where if you get breathed on in the midfield and go down, it's a foul. If you Get, the same thing happens in the final third. It's like fucking nothing. You have to get like actually mugged most of the time to get yeah. a foul in the final third. So it's just really weird. The incentive structure is really weird. But goddamn, everyone dives. And like you said, the people like Ronaldo or Dele Alley who get a reputation for diving, it's just because they're not good. They're not at good it. at diving or. Or there, um, I mean, there's also another element to it that Ronaldo got that reputation and in the same way that Dele sort of has, which is like if you're kind of a. 
you know, a technically gifted player who's also like pretty handsome and young in England, especially if you're a foreigner like Ronaldo was, you're going to get a reputation as a diver because the the press is going to focus on the simulation that you do more yeah. than uh, gritty English players. But like, I remember vividly like that Ronaldo was coming around the same time Rooney was and fucking Rooney yeah. was as big a diver as anyone else. Like that guy goes down, like yeah. went down all the time. But like the English press never talked about how Rooney would dive because he's like a fucking French, like English bulldog looking, you know, ugly ass motherfucker. Yo, who looks like he would fucking bully you in in yeah. primary school, but Ronaldo's like this effete asshole, right? Who like looked like he would you know take your girlfriend in his Ferrari, like so. Of course, they're gonna go after him for diving and not like the working class English guy, but they basically do the same shit. I think yeah, I think that's a hundred percent right. And I also I think there's one more element, I guess, just last thing to add on diving, which is. For someone like Dele Ali and, and for Cristiano Ronaldo coming up and in certain of these, you know, very technically gifted guys and, and you know, for Dele, a slighter guy and even Ronaldo when he was younger, he was not the physical, physically imposing guy that he is now. Like they're going to be played to the foul. Like players can't mark them. They're going to go for a foul. And it makes sense for you to take that contact and go down and draw the foul. Um, like it's a good strategy, but it also exposes you to a defender pulling out of those challenges, setting you up for a dive. And it, it, I think for players like that, it is a tough, uh, you know, a tough line between doing the smart thing and drawing the fouls and just going a little bit over that line. And now you're going down on too soft contact and now you're a diver. Right. And even players that like, um, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Because even players that don't, don't really dive more than other players still get managed to get the reputation of divers. Whereas players that, you know, dive, I think even more than other players don't get that reputation. It's all I th- kind I, of random. I think, it's, I think it's contextual. I think if you have that big, you know, you have that big moment in a big game where you go down and you're looking for a penalty and you get that yellow card for simulation or you go down in that penalty and on review, it looks like it was a dive like that big media moment in a big game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that gets you, like it really was for Delhi. you know, it's really a few weeks ago he had a whole bunch of dives in a game and that's where this narrative really started yeah. was, you know, oh, he's a diver. It was the in the Liverpool match in particular. Um it's and also so, a bad a bad fan base <laughs> to yeah, uh, to, to whiny well, as fuck. <laughs> Not uh, I mean they're bad, literally bad. I just mean like it's bad to like upset them because right. they are they actually do have control a lot of the way the narrative is formed. Narrative. Just like yeah. any of these, like so. But I think the one with Ronaldo, literally, I think it was from the World Cup in two thousand six. When uh, I mean, and by the way, like. Rooney stepped on that dude's balls like the entire I don't know if you remember that but like Rooney stepped on someone's balls intentionally and rightly got a red card for it and the English press spent the entire time instead of talking about how their fucking piece of shit ass punk ass asshole stomped on someone's balls. They, they spent the entire time talking about how Ronaldo told asked the ref like went up to the ref and complained about it but like he just instead of yeah, what is he supposed to do? This guy stomped on his teammate's balls. Like, right. I, I mean, like the other options, you fight him, but like that's right. dumb because then you get a red card also. But like, yep. this man stomped on someone's balls. Like, this is not like a a red card. Like, you know, in in the Verratti thing in, in the Real Madrid game when he ran up to the referee and just yelled at him. This man, you know, fucking really injured someone. It's, it, it was, I, I still don't really 
I mean, that, and that a lot of that comes from that because apparently um, Ronaldo like winked at Rooney, but like he also you know stepped on a man's balls. Like we forget about that <laughs> right, aspect. Right, like of which it. is worse, being like blatantly and overtly violent, or you know being a little bit crafty and cynical. And like it just bought into that whole English media narrative that tough, tough English tough, against right. you know, bitchy Iberian continental, fuck, like continental, like you yeah. know slick shifty iberians right and the funniest thing about it though is that like you can contrast that with when david beckham got red carded against argentina and instead of like defending beckham the entire press was like i remember the headlines like 10 or uh yeah uh 10 lions and one little boy because like beckham was I mean, he wasn't even young. He was just like yeah. a goody, good, like handsome right. dude. And like, as soon right. as like your violent guy looks like he might as well be in the stands with your fucking disgusting fans uh, with their with their shaved heads who just want to go home and beat their wives after the match, like then you're going to defend him because he could be your uh, fucking alcoholic uncle. But like, you know, anyways, I, I don't need <laughs> to pontificate on this anymore. Uh, but yeah, that that is an infuriating angle to 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 some of this stuff that that I don't I just uh, I know that this is bringing it all back to the Champions League because you know we saw um, uh, in that in that Spurs match you know I think that if I I think that if that I don't remember even who it was, but I think that if whoever uh, the Spurs player that got taken out of the area goes down a little earlier, maybe yeah. we see a penalty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the penalty shot was tough. I, I, yeah, I don't know. They also had a pretty good penalty shot on their side when Jan Vertonghen. Um, oh, I don't yeah, I saw that cut, too. I don't remember who he cut down in the box, but he cut him down. It was a penalty. Um, so I don't know. I mean... I I don't I don't chalk this up to the refs. I chalk it up to I think this is 100% on Spurs. They had the match, and you know, like I said, the the problem with what Juve came out and said is not the message itself because I think they're right. I think that Tottenham showed their youth. Like a good m mature team takes that one goal lead with the away goal tiebreaker, and you lock that shit the fuck down. Um, yeah, like that's what you have to do. And they showed their youth in turn in turning off and they don't want to hear it. Like they all get, you can tell in interviews, they all get really frustrated when people are like, is this, you know, when is this team going to grow up? And, but like, you got to take those questions as long as you keep bottling that big matches like this. Yeah. And this is exactly the kind of, this seemed like the season. I mean, we were talking about, this seemed like the season that, that this was going to finally be a team that matured. Right. And it, it it really felt like it after that first that away leg going to uh to Turin and and getting that huge two two result, you know it it really felt like this was going to be the moment where like Tottenham announces their their arrival. Yeah. But like bottling this game and especially in the way that it happened, it feels again like just another seat like another Champions League thing that that there's a lot of promise, but then there's crashing out in in a way that makes you feel like ah well this is still a young team. What and what worries me is I feel like in in you know in for a team as ambitious as Tottenham who's trying to get above their you know normal weight class and stay there, uh, I feel like games like this are, can be really important turning points where you win this game, you go to the quarters, you get a good draw in the quarters, right? You end up you know whatever you end up you, we draw Liverpool or something in the quarters, you know a decent draw. And next you get a you know, puncher's chance, right? You're a puncher's yeah, you chance in the semis. You're a semifinalist. And, 
And, you know, that just makes it that much easier to keep this team together, to keep uh, Mauricio Pochettino at Tottenham. And every, but, but, you know, every time a turning point game like this goes the other direction, and there's going to be more this season when it comes to making top four, when it comes to, you know, winning the FA Cup, every time these, these big matches go against us, it just becomes that much less likely that, or that much more likely that Pochettino takes Ericsson and goes to PSG this year. Or something like that, right? And that's the or you know takes Harry Kane and goes to Madrid, yeah. and that's what's so frustrating about this game is you you know it's not just about this game; it's about the whole future of Tottenham Hotspur, you know, trying to grow as a club. Yeah, I mean, it's possible though that this bought you another year with Pochettino at at Spurs because maybe he's not as attractive. I don't know. He is still a really attractive coach. I, th- I, I think. think he's- I, I really think he's like number one young coaching prospect on everyone's list. So if you're in the market for a coach and you're not, you know, signing Enrique or Ancelotti or Conte or someone, you're, you know, you're looking for a younger guy to bring some energy. Like Pochettino's top of your list. It's really just a question of whether he wants to leave or not. Right. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, in my, in like my side of the aisle, like we had Real Madrid, um, basically just body PSG. I mean, it was an embarrassment of a match for PSG to be quite frank. Like this is a match. Yeah, I know. But like, this is a match where like, and, and I think the talking point is not like, you know, look at how good, I mean, whatever the talking point is really like, look at how mentally fragile PSG is because they just couldn't, how can you not get up for this game? Like this, the, the, I mean this, there, they lit their stadium on fire literally with flares, which is weird. And I don't watch games with flares very much, but it was like someone was smoking in front of me the whole match It was really weird, but like they did. And then their team just absolutely got owned and they got owned by a Real Madrid lineup that like is it had no Isco, no Bale, no Modric. Like this is not even the like what we would even consider a full strength Real Madrid lineup. So like they, they got bodied and it was mentally just, you know, just an absolutely failure of a display mentally because it just felt like they, they just couldn't get themselves up for this match. And like, you just have to wonder like, what would they need to get themselves up for a match like this? Like, how can you not? And then they were so mentally frail that like Verratti just lost his goddamn mind. And like he, you know, he got a yellow card early in the game and, and then he just fucking sprinted at the at the referee and screamed at him. And you saw the referee literally, literally jump back because he thought he was going to get punched. And like, you can't do that. You just can't. And you got a second yellow card. Like, yeah. that's what happens. Like, Sorry, and I, I mean, yeah, you you got to imagine that they were just emotionally and mentally crushed with Neymar going down. But I, I mean, I agree with you. It it shows just a complete lack of composure. Like, there's still plenty of quality on that yeah, team. Holy crap! In order, like, they still have Cavani, they still have Mbappe, Verratti. Like, I mean, Rabio. You just go down the goddamn list. Um, the quality that they have, even without Neymar, they can win that match. It, it, maybe they're not. I mean, and, but then also, I think just the hole that they were in after the first. Like, I, I don't know. I, that team screams to me, you know, a lot of talent in need of different and better coaching. Yeah. And maybe a couple of like, I mean, the, the, the interesting take that I think is just really wrong is, oh, that this shows that the PSG project is broken, but like, no, that's stupid. I think that first fucking year, it's the first year with these new players. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know. That, yeah, you just you need more time for a team to gel and for you to declare a project, you know, lost than yeah, it's, you know, one season. It, I mean, look, obviously it's not it's not a good result, but like they got knocked out by the defending champions, right? It's not like this is that shocking a result. Like they they want to announce themselves and become one of the best teams in Europe. They didn't manage that this season, but that I mean, Pep didn't have a great season last year with Manchester City, right? Like this is a Pep Guardiola team where they literally spent a billion euro or billion pounds to get him the the team that he got, and he didn't even manage to do that much with it last season. So now, yeah. now, yeah, oh, Pep Guardiola is such a brilliant guy. He's like turned this collection of absolutely incredible players into this you know force to be reckoned with. Well. Let's see what happens next year with PSG. I mean, like if they decide yeah. to blow up their squad and sell Madrid Neymar or whatever, then well, that's dumb. But that's very dumb. Like maybe bring in Carlo Ancelotti. Check it out. There's a guy right I, out there who can I do think this. That's a hundred percent the play. The one thousand percent was I was thinking is Carlo, Carlos Ancelotti is the, that is the guy to bring into a team that's already put together and you know tell him go out there. You have one season, two seasons. Like and just put a good product on, you know, mold this into a good product. And he's the guy to do it. He's so good at doing exactly. I mean, like that's literally that's what he exactly did with Real what he Madrid. Did with Madrid. One hundred percent what he did with Madrid. So I mean, I think it's. I, I got to tell you though, I think it's more likely that Madrid Zidane will uh, leave Madrid at the end of the season, not because necessarily they'll fire him, but because he may want to leave at this point. He's he's hinted at it. He says yeah. he's very tired, which I fucking get. Because the media in Madrid is an absolute nightmare to deal with, and I can only imagine the stress is basically unbearable. But yep. you know, so fair enough. But and I, I think him going to PSG could is more likely just because I think it's the kind of glitzy signing of a manager that, uh, and especially in France and all this that that the BN people or Cutter people will want. But yeah, it makes I a lot of sense. I would a... I would bring in Ancelotti. Well, like I, I think it, I think for Zidane it makes sense in a career arc way, right? You start with Madrid, you've won a Champions League, then you go to PSG, you win a Champions League there for Paris in your home country, then you leave for a new challenge, become the French national team, you know, coach. Like I can see this career arc, right, where it makes a lot of sense. Right, but, maybe come back to Madrid eventually because I mean, like it, it is his home. I mean, like so, yeah. like it is where his kids grew up, all that stuff. Right. Like, but but yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah, I absolutely agree with that. There's, so, there's gonna mean, be a whole there's gonna be a whole coaching carousel this this summer. It's gonna yeah. be crazy. Yeah, Conte will go. I mean, I've already heard Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger's fucking done. Finally, God Jesus, Arsene Wenger, come to MLS. I'm just saying. I that's oh, a great idea. It's a great idea. Whoa, right? let's just, why not give him the U.S. Men's National Team? That's what I mean. Look. I would give it to him right now, even though like his ideas are stale and and whatnot. Like he's so much better than anyone else we right. could possibly like, get. Who are you gonna like? Can you imagine like if they? Oh, I was like, no, man, we gotta have an American coach the American team. That's why we got fucking Bob Bradley like to come a, back. Imagine, like, imagine him as the imagine him as the first manager of uh, Miami FC. Hell yeah. Or, I mean, literally any team in MLS. I was thinking New York Red Bulls, but maybe just because Thierry Henry was there. Um, I also yeah. heard that, that Arsenal might be interested in signing Thierry Henry, which I think would be, or uh, as a manager, which I think would be really funny. That would be very funny. I, I mean, like, you can't imagine that he would do well at all. I mean, he is literally never managed. But I guess Zidane did okay at Madrid. Anyway, so um, transitioning on from this, we have another, uh, I mean... I don't even know how to intro this segment because it's the, I mean, this might be the coolest thing we've talked about. Um, 
report in um, which fucking tablet is this? The Daily Star in the UK. Um, I'm just going to read the headline. It says Russia could poison England players to quote slow them down at World Cup end quote. Yeah, that'd be so. So just to just to like put it clearly, the the allegation here is that people are concerned that Russia would poison opposing teams in order to get an advantage at the World Cup. So this is like the flip side of doping, I suppose, in which you would actively poison. Like, I don't know. What are we thinking here? Like diuretics that they're all shitting in the bathroom, like in their hotel rooms and can't get off the fucking toilet to go play the match. All right. So I uh, am just going to start this off saying I would have been the best player of all time had I not been poisoned when I was a kid by the Russians. I was the best <laughs> player in the Real Madrid youth system. Don't look this up. It's true. Trust me. I looked it up myself. I have the documents. Uh, don't look this up. I was really good. And then I got poisoned by the Russians over Big and league. over again. I've never, don't look this up. I've never uh, been tested for oh, poison, shit. but I shit, definitely shit. was poisoned. Do you know what this reminds me of in the worst possible way? It reminds me of that North Korean state news report. Entire North Korean soccer team was struck by lightning at the Olympics, and that's why they lost their match. Yo, I do remember that. That's so cool. That that actually, I mean, <laughs> what's really cool about this is that I don't really know why they're they're talking about this, other than there was some sort of thing that went down with apparently a Russian's had got poisoned at a pub and like so first off this is that's like totally serious and crazy and yeah so the the uh, allegedly the russian re- regime uh poisoned both a former russian spy and his kid at a at an english pub he was living in england well then why and would so, they retaliate against the english soccer team like what, what i don't think this? i don't think it's retaliation i think the idea is just like russia's not above it right that's the that's the point it's like russia's not above doing shit like this to get an advantage yeah i mean they're not above i mean i think it's more likely that they dope their own players and oh, they're they doping injure someone else sure Let's be clear. They're doping. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they definitely like not, are doping. And, and like the FIFA actively, like affirmatively said, no, we're not going to test the Russian team. And like, okay, they're fucking doping. Right. I, I think the story is really stupid. This was classic English tabloid shit where some dude and who, you know, who cares who it was? He's some nobody is like, oh, yeah, you know, mate, uh, they might poison us. And that rules. It's so and cool. They make Can a you imagine story fucking an international incident because some like idiot like fucking UKIP M- like MEP yeah, goes on the floor of the European Parliament and then j- and tries to fist fight the Russian MEPs like or like just tries to fish fist fight a Russian guy because he uh, because the English team lost to like fucking Croatia. Like, that'd be you know, fucking awesome. You know what's even funnier? And, and, and I say this with love because I'm 100% rooting for the English national team of this World Cup because the U.S. national team's not there and the English national team is basically Tottenham Hotspur. Um, like, I, I love that the English press thinks they're good enough and enough of a threat that anyone would think they need to poison them to improve their chance of winning the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's news for you, friends. You're like eighth on the list of favorites. Yeah, I mean, incredibly big shout out. Um, best Twitter account, one of the best Twitter accounts on, um, out there. Uh, uh, 
my man um so at norm's respecter had probably the best joke about this which is uh you just retweeted it with uh with the joke crazy how the russia um russians have been poisoning english football players for over 50 <laughs> years of world cup tournaments oh it's so good it's fucking brutal it's also 100 percent true like the english national team has been such shit at the world cup for so long like if you're poisoning someone like poison germany poison france poison brazil you know you're not fucking poisoning england you're yeah. not you england is going to take care of themselves yeah, it, it, they poisoned England, and that's why uh, they missed all those penalties back in, like, 2006 yeah, when they got why, eliminated. That's why they, like, fucking drew the U.S. in 2010 on a fucking own goal. Right, they poisoned uh, the goal. The Russians like a, shot a, a poison back, dart. On a fucking back pass. Oh, <laughs> into the goalie and he just like got uh, uh whatever he they, they cast that spell from harry potter that made you go the wrong way <laughs> right uh yeah this is i mean look it's incredibly cool this is uh, in real real life this is awesome like it's i i mean it's it's the kind of like hilarious like politics shit bleeding over into our world of sports where we get to make fun of this stuff but like this is if you can't mock this and if you're taking this seriously, then you need to, like, rethink your relationship to sports a little bit. Because, like, I mean, this is just blatantly nonsense. And I would love – I mean, I would love it if there was some sort of hilarious international incident. Like, we already do enough stupid shit in this world that we deserve to to actually see something like this happen. Like, to, can you imagine if, like, on a state visit, Theresa May, like, complains in a press conference about how, like – uh, uh, you know, Harry Kane like got rolled his ankle because he got poisoned. Like that'd be amazing. It, it would be really fun and really funny. And God, the English press is so stupid. And it, I think it's always worth revisiting just how stupid it is and how much fun it is to laugh at the stupid shit yeah, that they yeah, write. Yeah. This, we, this article, this article for everyone's point of reference is like no more than six lines. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's so cool. And, like, the guy, it's just some guy. And, like, the, his qualification is literally has written several books on Russia under Putin. That's all his qual. I mean, like, you know, he this guy, like, self-publishes some books about Russia. And, like, they bring him on TV. This is, like... It's like the like the English equivalent of bringing on like that guy who did that fucking Adderall fueled Twitter feed about like how the game theory guy and asking him if like what do you think is going to happen at the at the World Cup and he'd be like yeah man I think that the Putin collusion is going to go in and and they're going to collude to make Russia win the World Cup it's like yeah totally that's definitely going to happen I fucking also, I can't wait I can't wait he also used the verb novel which is which owns like nothing else owns the verb novel. They will try to novel rival teams. Oh yeah, shit, that's awesome. Novel. That's novel. a great word, man. This is great. I I need to find the audio of this guy's interview and just listen to it. I bet he's drunk. Uh I mean, Boris Johnson uh said this is oh, really waited. cool also. Yeah, Boris Johnson involved himself um you know, Boris Johnson who uh basically has like the, if you took like Donald Trump's fucking sexual charisma and and uh, you know ridiculous hair and put it on like a drunk uh, that you'd find in a in a London pub, that's basically you know Boris Johnson. Um, <laughs> uh, and he he so he weighed in. Um, he said 
Depending on what comes out in relation to the investigation into the attack on the two individuals that took place in Salisbury. And just an aside, our friend Kier was actually at that pub a couple of weeks ago. Um, Yo, I saw that. It might be appropriate to look at whether ministers and other dignitaries should attend the World Cup in Russia. Um, he said, it's very difficult to imagine the UK representation of the tournament in Russia could go ahead in the normal way. I, I mean, okay, so I don't think that means that the UK football, that the English football team wouldn't go. But, I mean, it may mean that maybe the English, I mean political figures wouldn't go i don't really know what the hell they're talking about but it's i'm just glad that 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 someone went to the floor of the the parliament to talk about how they're gonna not go to the world cup i mean that's so In, cool so you know what i like it so i'm looking at the like still image of the video like before you hit play of boris johnson's comments in the house of commons and there's a dude just over his right shoulder who is visibly <laughs> face palming <laughs> That's actually so face palming right now. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ, Boris. Shouldn't it, don't you have like don't you have to go ruin our economy with Brexit right now or something? Boris Johnson looks like he's just got like a, a drunk nose. Like that that flush that you get I, from a lifetime of drinking. I am like, I that he's gonna be British Prime Minister in our lifetime just because that's the world we live in no, now. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean like and if it's not him, it's gonna be someone even stupider than that. Like it's gonna be <laughs> even dumber. Like right, it'll just... be like it'll be like like we thought that he was the guy, but actually there's just levels of idiocy we couldn't even imagine. Yeah, they're just gonna like elect, you know, fucking uh, you know, Sean Connery, uh, because everyone in England thought he was James Bond. Like that's, I mean, or some dumb shit like that. Like this is this world we're we're in a stupid nightmare world where dumb shit happens all the time. And you know, it's sports are, are barely even an escape because even the teams that you get excited about let you down. I mean, that's just where we are. With that transition, let's go to teams that didn't let us down. Evan, um, MLS started and MLS teams did really well over the weekend um, in the CONCACAF Champions League. This is the best week in the history of MLS playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. Every single MLS team won. Yeah, it was really cool week. So so here's my first thing on the CONCACAF Champions League, which is um, and this is 100 percent on me. Like I get that it's on me, but like I have a really strong sense of how you make the UEFA Champions League. Like, I understand that. I know how European teams make it. I'm confused by exactly how you make the CONCACAF Champions League. It's not clear to me who gets to go, who doesn't. It's like there's some weirdness between the Canadian teams and the American teams, I think. I I don't know. And, again, on me, I'm sure I could read a Wikipedia page for, like, two seconds and I would know. And then this confusion would be gone. But also I'm lazy and I haven't done that. I won't. And I I, I probably won't. So, but I, also, this is really cool because MLS has been getting better, and you know, if they're ever going to be a thing, they need to start beating Liga MX teams, which is who we're really talking about here. That's right, and it, they did. The, I mean, the I mean, the best result of the week by far uh, was New York Red Bulls going in, going to Mexico, and beating uh, uh, which team they played Tijuana. I don't remember. Uh, them beating a. a Pretty solid level Liga MX team, two nothing in Mexico. Uh, that's a huge result. I mean, it's two nothing, two away goals. I mean, that's huge. That's the kind of stuff that that we normally would be close to a insurmountable advantage in the Champions League. I mean, obviously, 
you know, this is the M- MLS teams. They bottle this shit all the time, but like, that's huge. Yeah. I, I, you can only hope the quality continues. You can only hope this wasn't an accident, but MLS has publicly stated that their goal is to be, you know, one of the top leagues in the world. And I think that, you know, it is not an unfair marker for MLS to at least be in the conversation for the best league in the Western yeah, hemisphere. Tijuana. Yeah. Yeah. So they went to Tijuana. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was really good. So, I mean, keep doing that. Like just keep doing that. And hopefully salaries keep going up more designated players, all the good shit and they just get better. And maybe, uh, I'll actually watch some CONCACAF champions league for the next round because I fucking let that pass me by. Yeah, I watched um, chunks of all of the games, or at least as many as I could I could find. The uh, Toronto's second goal was a thing of absolute beauty. To be to be you know, and I'm trying to be fair, but I will also say that um, it was hard to imagine a uh, competent keeper allowing that ball to trickle past. It was not going very fast. I'll just say that it was a beautiful little heel flick from Osorio. And that's, that's great. And so I did not watch that match, but I can say that that is super fucking CONCACAF, right? Like CONCACAF is, you have to like, if you're going to watch CONCACAF football, you have to embrace the fact that it's going to be like stupid, like stupid. And that's the best part. I was, I think I was tweeting about this about MLS when I was watching opening weekend is MLS really is fun, but you have to embrace the fact that it's not like fun in a way that seeing technical brilliance happen on the field is fun. It's fun in the way is like, holy shit, I've never seen that before. Hell yeah, that's so true. And uh, it was great to watch them play against League I Make East teams and, and do really well. And I, I'm down. I'm in. I'm in on all this shit. Uh, so last MLS topic, um, because we're running up on our time limit here, but last MLS topic I wanted to get to quickly is that the Ohio Attorney General announced that they're going to invoke the uh, Art Modell law uh, and thus trigger the beginning of this legal process to fight the reloc- potential relocation of the Columbus crew. And that's really exciting. It's exciting because I, w- I wrote about it, um, and it was also cool that I, I-, I did an interview with the Columbus Dispatch, what's very cool about that is obviously my fiance is from Columbus, so that was very cool. But I, yeah, that was really interesting. I mean, obviously, Evan, the point more than anything, I think, is to gum up the works uh, in this transfer, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I basically told the reporter, um, you know, JD Malone, who's really good. I think the article was really good. He talked to a bunch of people, including. Ohio governor, uh, gubernatorial candidate Dennis Kucinich, which is extremely funny that I'm in an article with him. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think basically the legal consensus was we have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. I told him that I'm not 100% sure that this law is constitutional. I think it's probably not. But a, a protracted legal battle could be enough to to slow down this process and well, find a way to get this resolved in a different way yeah so that's the key point so like without getting too much into the merits of the legal argument because i sadly can't do that even though i really love it um right. so first two things like holy shit gabe congratulations you totally called the, called this and that's fucking awesome it is like, cool you were, right you are like way ahead of everyone else on this and that is really cool um, second thing, you are totally right that I think this is about gumming up the works because the best that pre-court can probably do is claim that this is unconstitutional, but the process to get this law finally declared unconstitutional would almost certainly have to go all the way through the Supreme Court because right. 
basically laws don't get declared unconstitutional without the Supreme Court having a look at it. Yeah. Um, as as kind of a matter of course, if something's declared unconstitutional, your petition for certiorari is granted. Yeah. Um, so like we're talking minimum. What do you think? Three, four, you know, three, four years. Yeah. Something like that to actually litigate this from start to finish. And the pre-courts clearly aren't going to be able to deal with that. So no. your, your best case scenario is one in that time, they find some way to stay in Columbia. Well, Colum- and also DeWine, or, the, the attorney general has indicated in his press press release and like he he's given hints that apparently people are ready to buy the team from pre-court. So yeah. Yeah. And, so that's, yeah, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. And like, that's a huge, if that's really, if that's true and there are people that are out there that are ready to make an offer, this gumming up the works is a very good way to essentially, I mean, look, the more like and the more this sounds like forcing a sale, the less constitutional it probably is. But uh, making it economically more efficient for him to sell the team to someone who's going to keep it in Columbus it is a good option here, especially if he feels like he can get an MLS team in Austin, which is where he actually wants an MLS team um, yeah. the, through other channels. Well, I think you're you're totally right that, you know, every every bit of del- the reason why I don't think that we're going to like get a Supreme Court ruling on this statute is because the pre-courts have no like ideological interest in getting the statute overturned. They are kind of short term players in a game theory sense. If they if their costs are being driven up, they're just going to fucking bail and sell to whoever will buy the team. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's, you know, I think that should give crew fans a little bit of heart. I think there's another possibility where where there's some kind of settlement with the state where, you know, they get to move, but they're also going to pay some amount of money to the state in order to help recoup some of the tax losses. Yeah, that that's potentially possible, too. So those are the two most likely outcomes from this suit. I think to a certain degree, this it might matter a lot what the district court uh you know, ruling on this looks like some of the early pleadings. What does that look like? What does the motion to dismiss on, you know, this claim look like if, you know, that, that'll be an early right, whether, test for this legal theory. Yeah. Um, and, and there's also a question, I mean, so I've been following a couple of people who've been following this and they, they think there might be even a preliminary injunction injunction in the next week oh, or there so. Ha- no, there has to, there has to be right. So, you know, just for the, the people following at home who don't, don't have legal experience, um, you know, pre-court allegedly already had, you know, he could under current rules basically move tomorrow because MLS has already indicated, I think that they're basically behind him moving yeah. or we think they've indicated that. So the first thing you do as a lawyer is seek a preliminary injunction. And they should saying, get it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, well, the question is, so th- to the extent they should get it, they can get it be on the basis of the fact that there would be irreparable harm if he moved the question. And this is the question is likelihood of success on the merits. Right. Like what, does the court think that he would win on any of, you know, that the state would win on any of these arguments? Like that's the key question. And, um, you know, who knows? We'll it's see. Right. To say. The interesting uh, thing though, is that I think that this is going to be litigated in, uh, in, in, in court in, in, in Columbus or at least around there. And, the judge that will hear this is likely, and I'm not. Sure, I'm. I, I read this in a, a piece in Sports Illustrated. I, I hadn't, you know, done this piece of analysis myself yet. But apparently, one of the, the judge that would hear this is be would be an elected official. So, uh, uh, there, no question though that this gets removed to federal court, right? So, like, 
if you try to say this is unconstitutional, like but again, it's lit- just a series of processes, right? Just more time yeah. to, to file there. Then they remove all that stuff. Just another, you know, couple of months. So it is. Yeah. But yes, of course. Yeah. It's absolutely going to go to federal court and it's, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And I'm excited for, you know, eventually when you'll be able to talk about, <laughs> about this, when we'll probably be discussing this, uh, the outcome of this, uh, eventually on this show, because, uh, It'll be a fascinating, just literally, a, just a legal argument to so discuss. Just you're like we're both a little bit of law nerds, at least with the certain things. And this is one of like if I I you know was in law school, I would be dying to go to some class where I could write a law review article type thing on this. Like I've my actually, note, my yeah. note would be on this. Hell this is yeah, really dude. fascinating. I've stuff. actually already gotten two two um, plus. So I say two plus because one of them. You know, one of the three that I got wasn't a law student. Two plus emails from people who are writing notes who want to write notes about this, uh, awesome. asking me like if I could like look over their outlines because of the the writing that I'd done on it. And like that's and one of them was like, "Hey, I'm I'm writing about like uh, 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 the U.S. legal system in my business school." And like, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, this is great. It's fascinating. It's fascinating stuff, and we'll have to see how it plays out because. Uh, so with the and the quote that I gave to to JD at the at the Columbus Dispatch was that I think there is you know a chance of success on the injunction and then at that point if you get that injunction then we have a much longer you know process yep. so uh, we'll have to see how these early pleadings go but it'll be fascinating to watch so watch this space so to speak I think we'll I'll probably be following up on probably do another article as soon as we figure out more about this case and what the uh, I mean, like, there's also a question of ripeness. Like, we don't know um, if it's oh, if that's it's such ripe a good yet point. Because such a good it's not, you know, it's possible that they haven't announced their decision to move, so there actually isn't that's, really a justiciable uh, I question. Think, I, that sounds like a really good point to me. That you know, he has indicated there's been some indication of a desire to move, but do you have a ripe legal legal controversy until they actually announce the move, until a decision's made, or a move has happened? That's that's a fascinating question on the very you know, now we're getting to very technical stuff that only lawyers care about, but it ends up being really important. Right. Uh, and so in, in, interestingly, in his press relief, um, uh, the attorney general uh, in Ohio said, uh, we believe this controversy is ripe, <laughs> which is kind of funny like thing to say in a press conference, because obviously uh, uh, obviously a press conference is um, to, where you announce like that you're doing this, not like where you're talking to people, but he knows that pe- the lawyers are going to be following and being like, well, you really think that you have a case right now? Because I mean, on the outside, it doesn't look like that. This is right. Personally, that, that was the first thing that I thought when I heard about this, like, well, I don't know because you, I don't think there's a case until they announce that they're planning to move at the earliest. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just God. This is such a good case, people. Like, if you are lawyers or you're not lawyers, like this is really fucking interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm really glad that um, JD Malone didn't run the one of the quotes that I gave him, which I was where I basically said this is all really cool because <laughs> I think that that comes off kind of douchey to the people of Columbus who actually have to live through this. But I was, yeah, I mean, it is. It is objectively quite cool what's going on. Yep. Um, all right, so Evan, we will uh, uh, we'll be back next week. I think that there are a couple other stories that we need to we need to touch on. 
um, including some some you know more FIFA being douchebag stuff involving uh, the way they responded to a controversy in Iran where women were arrested uh, trying to attend the Tehran Derby. Um, I. <laughs> I really want to see if I can bring on someone who knows more about this to to to, uh, to talk talk with us. So I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out. But I want to talk about that also. But uh, until next week, then, my man. Um, I hope you. Uh, I hope we get to watch some more MLS this weekend. I'm pretty psyched. I am going to spend a lot of the weekend traveling slash watching MLS and also crying over the pocket picture of Harry Kane that I carry everywhere. Yeah, that is totally fair. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Catch you later. Based on songs and stories, heroes of renowned are the passing tales and glories that once was Dublin town. The hallowed halls and houses, the haunting children's rhymes that once was part of Dublin.